Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about using role-playing games as a teaching tools for a younger audience. And as always, we're going to try and focus in on role-play so we can get better at it together. But before we do our usual thing of uh, talking about what we've been doing in our spare time, I have a special announcement for those of you listening. Today we have a special guest with us. We are joined today by Rich. You want to say hi, Rich? Hi there, everyone, folks at home listening in. Uh, my name's Rich. Um, I'm at Hatchling DM most places, especially on Twitter. So I do most of my social media interactions. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and talk about Inspirals and what we're bringing to uh, our TTRPG crowd. Yeah, for sure. We're super pumped to have you on the show, Rich. Um, and for those of you listening, you might you might know Rich as the all ages tabletop RPG creator who has led the Inspirals tabletop RPG Kickstarter and, and system, the development of that system. He has, it's a very unique system that teaches sign language as you play. Uh, Rich is also a member of the Hatchlings Games community, hosting workshops and events, sharing the joy of RPGs with young adults and children. So I think, you know, it makes for a perfect, uh, you're a perfect person, Rich, to have on the show to talk about you know these younger audiences and, and using RPGs as a teaching tool for that population there. So, I mean, we might as well jump right into it. Chris, I don't know if if you have uh, a starting off point that you want to go with, or or if I'll just keep I mean, rambling I mean, on. Yeah, I mean, let me just say uh, I love the Kickstarter. I hope everybody goes and look at it, even though it's it's done right now. I think it's worth a yeah. look. It's really nice and it's very inspiring to see. It's clearly a, a work of, of passion, you know. So maybe you can touch on that a little bit on like how it started and mm. uh, what brought it to uh, to what it is right now, I guess. So, so initially, um, a few years ago, I established in my local community just a very, very small, quaint Dungeons Dragons group with teenagers. They're in the local school. Uh, they already knew each other and they played games before together. So it was quite easy to uh, get them all over there to this community center and start playing. Um, what I found after a while is that um, they'd A, play through most of the pre-written modules from official Wizard of the Coast products. Um, and I brought these these new ideas to the table and they said, well, we've done all that before and uh, <laughs> even though obviously you give it a new flavor every time you play a different module and and, uh, and the kids are very notorious at railroading it and taking it in new directions anyway um and some of the themes in the games are a little bit difficult for them i mean they're only 12 and 13 year olds at the time um so uh they couldn't relate to some of the you know the tavern brawls and all these all these drinking games and all these things and some of the some of the heavy themes within the games so I thought about halfway through the first year, I thought maybe what if I design my own role-playing game uh, to be more suited towards them and to, be, to you know, create a bit more interest in a unique kind of system and uh, a world and something maybe they could have a hand in developing and playtesting themselves. Um, so that's where Inspirals began, the sort of seed of it. Um, and my day job, it worked, I work for a prominent deaf charity in the UK and I woke up one morning, as you do sometimes with an epiphany, and I thought, <laughs> what about, like, slightly crazy idea, what about if you combined sign language and deaf 
awareness with a role-playing game uh and that's how it all sort of combined and sort of gelled together and uh and as as you can as you can see from the Kickstarter, is is a very popular choice. Me combining those two things, because I, yeah. I don't think it would have done half as well without that kind of uh, unique concept. And thankfully, I'd had like twelve years of experience with the deaf community and working with that community, so uh, it wasn't just some gimmick. That's great. That's that's. I think I think it shows the 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 experience and the the two things put together and maybe for for those listening just so you guys know the Kickstarter did uh pretty much I calculated really quickly uh, a little bit more than 26 times what he what it was set out to to be like the the, the funding goal so mm -hmm. it it's clearly um a great success and uh yeah I it it's 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 funny that you say that like I think for me sign language looks um I mean, I know it's a whole different culture, uh, but it's it looks almost mystical a little bit that like everybody can can do it, and it's a whole, it's it opens a whole new kind of universe, and to put that together feels mm -hmm. natural. I think like just like reading the thing is like yeah, I, like it's obvious that it should work together in, in in the way that you probably have established it. You know, yeah, a couple of things with that. I mean. Like the language itself is actually beautiful. It's just stunning because mm -hmm. it's a visual language, obviously. And uh, and I've noticed with with ASL especially because I've got no experience with ASL. We only developed that as a stretch goal. Um, thankfully, we did because it opened the market up hugely, obviously. <laughs> um, but um, so, but it's you know when you sign ASL, it's very much a, a, you know stationary signing. So you, you move from one sign to the other with the same hand. Uh, especially if you do the alphabet and fingerspelling mm -hmm. uh, and it's really fluid and beautiful when someone's like, when it's their first language obviously um but your second point about making it feel magical and it's part of the world is like i could i think i think most people or, or a lot of people uh would be able to make a game where it's just a, a fantasy ttrpg and they just thrown a chapter of sign language in there mm -hmm. and they've just read it from some sort of like website or anything and just plonked it in there but what i've tried to do with the game is obviously have it completely integrated within the narrative of the world so in oh. the in our world um dragons or worms as they're called on the inspirals they're, they're the teachers of sign language they were once kind of like the enemy of the of the of the fey people there uh but they signed a pact with guinevere which is your 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 ancestor arthur and guinevere you're you're related to distantly and um, they teach sign language to the players, which is called shaping in our world. Um, and, and that is, is integrated throughout the, the book, basically. So it's just, it's just not dropped there as mm -hmm. like, a, you know, like a, as a random sort of mechanic. It's completely uh, integrated. Yeah, it's, it's, a core, it's a core part of, of the lore and of the background. And I think that's yeah. it's definitely part of the reason why it has to work. It, it must, you know, that it works so well because it's, it's like you're saying, it's not an add-on. Um, yeah. I, I would like to touch on something that you said, Rich, uh, near the beginning of your conversation here or, 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 you know, of your introduction where you're talking about the themes that were present in the games that you were running uh, for these, for this group of, you know, you know, preteens and teenagers. And I, I think that's really, it's really interesting because it speaks to the, the accessibility of your game from the from the get-go you know when you were thinking of designing your system the first thing that you thought of was how can i make this uh, easier for this group 
to understand yeah. and, and to, to be a part of and feel immersed in. Um, and I wondered if you could touch a little bit more on that, because I think it's one of the beauties of a role-playing game, I think, is that as a game master, you have this conduit to the theme of the game, right? It's, it's, it's unique in that regardless of system or setting, for the most part, the game master gets to be this the, the, this filter, yeah, filter, yeah, this filter or host that can adapt the theme for the people that they're running the game for, and and I mm. wonder if if you know if you have any insights on that from running the games in in those workshops or or if there are yeah. themes that you think work best that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm not going to trash D and D at all because I'm passionately uh, still involved with it and I love it. Uh, and it got me. That's the only system I ever played before I discovered indie TTRPG world. And um, but like uh, a lot of Inspirals is formed as a kind of antithesis of D and D, though it's kind of like the opposite direction of a lot of things. Particularly, I found with. Uh, we used to have sessions with hatchlings and we'd have a combat encounter. And because I had so many kids at the table, I think, well, I think it was 12 at one point um, playing, which is mm. really hard to manage at the best of times. Um, yeah. The whole session, two and a half hours, was just a combat round. I couldn't believe it. And, and I didn't feel, it never felt like it was like them working as a team. It never felt like there was any moves, for instance, that were like a combination, like Power Rangers or something. Like yeah. they're combining to, to, to attack something. It just felt like they were just chipping away at hit points all the time individually um so that was the first thing i had with inspires i said this, this combat has to be cooperative it has to be like they have to have a feeling like they're that the four players which is our like, kind of sweet spot for the for the sort of like pendragon team would be uh using all the elements together um and that's how the game's introduced you, you do like a fishing test so you've got to get like a golden trout out of a lake but you've got to use the four different elements, so fire, earth, water, and air, to get it out successfully. Uh, and you wouldn't believe the amount of like role-playing uh, diversity with that test, basically. It's really interesting. People are making like earthenware dishes to catch it. People are making like geysers with the water. People are going around the outside of the lake, blasting the water with air to bring the fish into the center. People are extending the, the mud banks out. All sorts of amazing things. <laughs> That people are coming up with um that's great so so the, at the heart of it was cooperation that was the, the vital thing i wanted to make make it feel like it was more cooperative um at that point when i had these kind of these ideas that are away from traditional 5e dnd it was like um i started getting into other games then like i picked up quest rpg which is so streamlined and kind of like clean and it's the, the way it was presented was so like it was so eye-opening for me um i thought oh, i really want it to be like that understandable you know so i want to have a system where it's like it it, it can be picked up by someone who's never played a role-playing game before also that people that experience would appreciate it mm -hmm. uh, that's a hard balance to strike too yeah, yeah really tough yeah um and i'm not sure i have got it perfect but like obviously not but um especially being my first game but um but i've tr i've tried to i've taken inspiration from those really rules like streamlined clean games um and run with it basically yeah and that 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 goes a long way like you're saying to introduce new people to the game i know it's it's definitely a barrier to entry in this hobby you, you know, no matter 
how you look at it. And, and there's a lot of people that'll say that, you know, D&D 5e is, is this extremely simplified version of the game. But even in its simplest form, the book is, what, 300 pages long? And, and yeah. it, just saying that to a new player could put them off. Um, so no, absolutely, this this concept of simplifying the rules mm -hmm. definitely <laughs> definitely makes it easier to get the mother-in-law on board to playing, or or yeah, or uh, yeah, you exactly, know the, yeah. the, the the nephew or something. So it, yeah, no, hats off. That's that's a smart move. I don't know, Chris. You, you know, Chris, you have a a background playing what I would consider to be a little bit more complicated games, right? Like the Warhammer Fantasy role play is your bread mm -hmm. and butter, and to my knowledge, that's a little bit more complicated. How does that make you feel? Yeah, um, um, I mean, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I did start with uh, Warhammer, which, I mean, I wouldn't say it's more complicated than D&D. &D. Uh, it's definitely themed different, differently, but uh, mm -hmm. it's, 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 I don't know, I would say parallel probably. But it's funny because, like, the game we're running, like, that I'm running for Matt and the group right now is uh, that we've been running for th three years. Is actually the, the the base of it. I, I've designed other things on top of it, but is actually Fate Core, which mm. is a very streamlined. And also yeah, the that, reason yeah. I liked it as a base is because exactly what you said. It encouraged uh, co teamwork, cooperation. Yeah. Where I didn't feel something like D and D, and even Warhammer doesn't really have it. It's more like individuals working mm -hmm. together. But by working together, meaning they're hitting the same thing. <laughs> where, <laughs> uh, where like in faith, and that's something actually. When we, at one point, like two years in in the game, we had a new player, and that's something that was hard at the beginning because he was like, "Oh, I can't do much," and I'm like, "Yeah, but you're fighting by yourself. You need to like co combo with other people." And and I really love that. I, I think especially for a younger audience, and also I, I'm a teacher at the college level, and like this teamwork is so important to I, I feel like role-playing game is such a great teaching tool and and i've been uh i i've just started to being involved with the 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 role-playing game club at at my college and that's what i t i told to the the organizer i was like this is so great that you're doing this i want to help because it's the best way to teach empathy in my book especially yeah. for younger yeah. people and and teamwork problem solving imagination creative it's, it's it's all together and i think from what I've, I've i've seen of your game obviously i haven't i haven't tried it it wasn't part of like the play testing or whatever but uh it, and what you just said it resonates with that and it brings it to the forefront of it's not just chugging dice uh, it, it's it's actually let's the table the people at the table are more important than i don't say the, the mechanics are there to make people at the table important and not I guess the other way around. Yeah, so that's yeah, very inspiring. I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's not. It's nice because um, I was thinking. I was having a conversation on Twitter today about about D and D and its accessibility, basically, and like as like a gateway game. And I was I was saying, you know, it has got three core books, and like <laughs> you couldn't just be you couldn't just pick it up and and get it immediately from the page. You can you couldn't have a five e character sheet and then just fill in all the blanks. <laughs> with no information um but saying that someone said on the on the feed was like and i agree with them it's like there's so much material around it that makes it completely accessible there's so many like actual plays so many tutorials so many kind of youtube videos on it the critical role like just basically like a, a plethora of kind of like uh additional material or additional resources 
that make it very accessible. But I think D and D five E is unique for that. It's so popular. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas, you, like you say, something like Warhammer doesn't have that. Doesn't have that sort of breadth of uh, information from the public. Um, for sure. So that would be much harder to to as a gateway game. But yeah. Yeah, and and Chris, I I agree with you too about this this concept that role playing games can be used as this tool for for teaching empathy, teaching collaboration. I, and I, and I wonder if it'd be worth the, the you know us taking the time today to dig a little deeper in that. You know, what makes a role playing game such a fantastic platform to facilitate that? And and maybe that's too philosophical. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, well, we can attach it to mechanics. I'm sure. Like uh, mm. you wondered about those things right you you wanted to bring it so so in terms of maybe we can go as as like defined as like mechanics or we can go as like philosophical as we want but what comes to your mind when we talk about how role-playing games are about we you talked you talked about teamwork already and i think that that's great and maybe we can touch on that a little bit more but i wonder about this creative aspect and this empathy, especially, like how would you say it's embedded in your game? Empathy. Well, I mean, the, the core the core theme is um, is belief. I mean, that was the core theme of the whole game. And and, uh, and uh, adversely, disbelief is our kind of negative energy. So it's a bit like the light and dark side of the force in Star Wars, um, in a simple term. But the idea of, of, of collecting belief by like uh, fighting disbelief is it, it encourages empathy automatically, uh, mm -hmm. and and disbelief curiously is caused by something called, something as such as bloodshed or murder. So there's no death in the game through mechanics. So mm -hmm. there's no like there's no like slaying things because that's outlawed on because it causes disbelief basically, and that mm -hmm. and in turn rots the world and kind of destroys the world tree which holds the whole land together. So if if any of the players think about getting like uh, sword happy, then uh, um, they'll they'll earn they'll collect the adverse energy. Wow! Um, but at the same time, one of the one mechanics in it is to is solve crimes. Say there is like bloodshed on on the islands, then one of their tasks would be to uh, to solve it and to investigate it and to bring the you know the culprits to uh, to trial or whatever. That's great how you like systematize it too. That it it in such a binary way that makes it relatively simple and accessible. That's I'm sure that was the intentional in the design. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah um, really cool. but you know, we, but because there's no actual like player death in it, there's no uh, pen dragon death. We have to have some sort of um, consequences and tension. Mm -hmm. So the Grail Guide, who's essentially the RGM, has like a thing called a calamity meter. And if if the party collects enough disbelief, so if they fail tests enough, or they they lose their opponents through that, and it's very much geared towards them, it's very much in their favour. So it's going to happen rarely, but if they collect these disbelief points, it un unlocks a calamity, which is a little bit like um, the kraken from Greek mythology or something. Or in our world, it's the questing beast, which is like an Arthurian creature that kind of stalks them across the islands and and sort of ruins all their rolls, their dice rolls. <laughs> Um, and, and loads of other things like troll bridges are built. Um, like, and the, the, the bottom one, the worst one, is that the, the portal they arrive through and it's the only way back home collapses. And they have to find a way to restore it, basically. 
So, so that's the way the Grail Guide creates tension. It's like this has happened because you've you've not you know you collected too much disbelief. You haven't died. You haven't lost any of your player characters, but um, you are certainly uh, slipping up a bit. That's interesting. Yeah. We we just had an episode about player death actually, and we we touched mm -hmm. on on multiple things. And one other thing we we talked as a positive for player death was the narrative that it causes. But here you you kind of like go around and yeah. you still have the narrative uh yeah. impact of i'll i'll say failing but like you know mm. like uh not achieving your your goal maybe and then you have mechanics uh, attached to it i think that's a that's so cool and it, i mean just hearing you uh, talk about it and, and reading the thing it it oozes of positivity as a as a game mm. it's really positive and you know it's a setback but we're not done yet we're gonna fight it again and we're gonna um move forward with that that's that that's that's really cool yeah because you're because at the end of the day your central conceit is that you're trying to heal the world tree which is essentially this like hub of the whole islands and it's a bit like the never-ending story i don't know if you've ever seen the never-ending story mm -hmm. or read the book yeah. but um you know they got the nothing which is basically wiping out blotting out whole areas of the kingdom uh because they don't believe in it so it's a similar conceit to that um but oh, wow. yeah um but there's there's other there's other ways that you can you know um for instance like making it like wholesome is quite important to me from the beginning and um there's when you come through the portal um you can spend because you've got you know i don't want to be tr triggering young people either i want to make sure that it's like very sensitive towards some of their emotions and feelings and things uh, without talking down to them or speaking down to them or patronizing in any way but one of the mechanics is when you come through the portal initially, you can spend 80 years on the islands and grow, you know, have all these experiences and learn all these skills and have all these like friendships. And then as soon as you step through back through the portal, you're 15 year old again. <laughs> so like, so it alleviates things like uh, the, 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 the players or the, the actual people who play it are thinking like, I'm, I'm not going to miss my parents and I, I'm going to have to put my, my brother growing into old age and dying or something my older brother like i don't want to be staying in any timeless islands at all you know i'm missing all this stuff back home people missing me but it completely alleviates all that because it, it you you retain all your experiences but you go back into your 15 like no time spouse at all so so in so in your system then rich the players play themselves is that is that uh no they they play a a 15 year old teenager of any any kind of type or face they want you know any anyone mm -hmm. they want really basically it can be based on you in reality as when when you were younger or, or most people want, want to probably avoid that and <laughs> shelf all those experiences and go <laughs> no i'm going to create something completely new um uh, the other really really wonderful mechanic that's that my um well essentially my editor came up with really um uh is something called a sanctuary and um, it's done during character creation. You you build your character with the basic um, kind of like name and pronouns and all these things, and you pick a like an elemental uh, patron uh, mm -hmm. and hobbies and things. Uh, but but after you do that, you go to the questing camp, which is your hub world, uh, which you do all your quests from, and uh, you get to select a thing called a sanctuary, which is going to be a, like a place you felt really safe in as a teenager or like you, you can retreat to when you're feeling kind of like anxious or, or down uh, a place that makes you feel really like uh joyful or safe 
and it could be anywhere it could be like a bedroom it could be like a tree house it could be a swimming pool it could be absolutely anywhere um and uh that that through that process you you create like an individual identity for your for your pen dragon basically that's really cool and i like that you talked about uh character creation uh like that's char character creation i think is the first thing someone's going to do when they play a role-playing game, when they're introduced yeah. to a role-playing game, character creation is kind of their, it's going to be their first impression, right? And and, and when you talked about D&D &D and how a player given an empty character sheet can't fill it out on their own without having somebody walk them through it for an hour and a mm. half is is 100% my experience. That's whenever I've introduced this game to anybody, mm. it, it's, it's always taken you know, about an hour, two hours of me walking them through the book, figuring out the character creation. So I, I like how you, you talk about that because it's a hundred percent part of that accessibility, right? It's going to be the first thing the players interact with. And if they can, if that can be simplified, you know, yeah. it, whether it be by the system, like it is in, in spirals, or, you know, for those who are listening, if you want to introduce people to a system like D and D, because that's the only one, you know, and you don't, you know, you don't have the time to go learn a new system, new other systems. I would also encourage people listening to try and take that approach with the character creation. Maybe prefabricate the characters for people and let them pick. Yeah. Um, if if you're running a game for a younger audience, people that don't have as much time to you know invest the, in the character creation from the onset, maybe just boil it down to a couple of sentences. You know. What do the players want to feel when they're playing a character? Do they want to be sneaky? Do they want to be in the action? Do, do they want to be, you know, magical and 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 have casting and that kind of thing? That alone, I think, will enable new players and, and simplify their experience. Um, yeah, it's really good advice. That uh, you almost like use archetypes for the different personalities of the classes. Yeah, that's really, really, really good idea. Uh, I've done that before, and I've had the pre-made sheets, character sheets as well. It was really handy. Uh, just a quick game, just like wizard, cleric, yeah. rogue, bam, 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 bam. You know, and uh, they can just get into the meat of it. The other, the other thing with 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 um with with initial session or beginner sessions is um, it's really handy. The advice I've always led with is um, almost forget the stats. Almost don't you almost don't look at your sheet. Mm -hmm. Like listen to the GM, listen to the DM relate the narrative and then respond to it so say say they say like oh you know the rock falls down from above you what do you want to do oh well, i kind of want to dive out of the way well roll a roll a dex check or roll an acrobatics check you know uh, they don't have to do any legwork initially they just yeah. have to respond to the story and that's why i always advise just respond to the story initially and then let the gm kind of guide you through it i i wonder uh Rich and Chris, I'll, I'll throw this question to both of you, but something that I've usually found when I do that in an environment where I simplify the characters for players, you know, we're having a blast, but the role play elements of that, of the game tend to, I, personally, I feel like a role play, a, a character being role played by a player is always going to have more depth if there's more background and more depth invested into that character. And I, and I wonder, you know, does a simplified character creation process necessarily imply, you know, a lower level of role play from the onset? And, and, and it doesn't matter the system. I'm just thinking out loud, like, how do you guys feel about that? 
um, what's your gut reaction, that kind of thing. And maybe I'll throw it to Chris first, and then mm. then down to you, Rich. Definitely. Uh, that, that's interesting. I think I think I mean you, you're saying it's independent of the system, but I think the system has probably something to do with it in terms of uh, because uh, again, I'm thinking about fate and. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the like three-year campaign was actually started with pre-generated characters, uh, which I don't think, at a certain level, people don't like pre-gens. Uh, I think like when you've been playing for years. So yeah. But, the, but what I notice is like giving and hearing from my players, giving a, a beginning of a character construct inspires them to bring it to the next level and giving their flavor and and kind of sparks the interest of roleplay where I personally feel that when I create a character from scratch, it's it's too open. You know, it's it's too open. So that's why I think classes are are kind of like become like they're now kind of like the thing. Like it's like pick a class, at least you it's not totally open. Uh so I think in something like Fate where there's not really classes, that can be like kind of hard to come up with the concept. So that's why I did pre-gen. So I'm really curious to hear Rich talk about like, is there an equivalent for classes? I know you talked about elements. Uh, is there something like rogues or how does that translate to your game? And what do you think about Matt's question also of like, how does it affect role playing games? You know, like the, the role play of the game, if, uh, if it's shorter to do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with, with for D&D example, as an example, I mean, there's there's very little uh, in the stats essentially. I mean, it, you might have a higher strength, um, mm. but that doesn't necessarily for me affect role playing too much. Whereas intelligence and wisdom might do, and charisma to a point to an extent, um, because it's it's more of a personality trait, I guess. Um, but then you have the things like backgrounds, then you have the things like and and the flaws and and uh, can't remember the other the, the beneficial ones. But yeah, bonds and flaws. Yeah, so that's really interesting. You can get quite a lot of role playing from that. But in my experience, unfortunately, um, playing DNA is probably my limitation as a GM. But I've I've not often um, dived back into those backgrounds after the initial session zero. I've not kind of like kept hold of them and gone like, oh, I'm going to bring this character in because you've said this about your past. Um, I, I agree, and that's that's I think our experience for me and Matt too. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons is because it's not tied to any mechanics; it's not rewarded. And and I mean, there's yes, no, like that's true. Yeah, my daughter's saying goodnight to me. Give me one second. <laughs> goodnight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's the whole inspiration thing, but that's not super. So so in the fate system, we have like it's. Uh, do you know the fate, Rich? You, you seem to. to I, I know it's rules lie, and I, I know it's been. Yeah, I mean, one of the main things is. It. Yeah, I mean, one of the main things that, that those aspects they call, which are kind of like ideal bonds, and and are are how you are able to boost your ability at your your roles. So you need to work them in in the story, otherwise you don't get bonuses. And there's other things attached to it, but but let's keep it at that. So yeah. so I wonder about how did you work that around getting the 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 good role play, uh, and basically not having this D and D thing of like it's there if you want to use it, but it's almost feel like an optional rule, you know, like those background yeah. and stuff. So, so, so the, the, the tests in our game are, are slightly different. So in D and D, you walk around and you do like a role for um, like a um, perception or something. Say, 
or like sleight of hand uh, and it's very very like a very small kind of action and it's one roll uh with it with us we've got two tests we've got a belief barrier um and we've got a disbelief battle and the belief barrier is like a a group dynamic test which is completely narrative so the person will set out a test with a certain amount of rounds depending on the challenge rating and then you have to use your elements to pass each round of that test if you fail any of them you fail the test completely um those again tests fail, like, those tests would be like, like the fishing like i said about before the fishing so like okay, the, fishing is, is a the fishing is a tutorial test it's got one round and yep. you have to use so what your what your what your elements do is they give you a, a additional bonus to your role for that so you pick a leader out of the four elements so for fishing most people pick the water shaper mm -hmm. And they roll the dice, and then the the assisting Pendragons uh, give me a narrative sense of how they're using their elements to to assist the leader. And if they give me anything at all, if they give the Grail Guide anything that makes even the slightest bit of sense, they get a plus one to the roll. And it's three d six, and they have to roll eleven or above to pass. And that's how it works. And then it's reset. So say say the first level of that test, if it's a more of extended fishing test, it would be get the fish to take the lure. And the second round would be get the fish out of the water. And the third test might be like cook the fish. <laughs> <laughs> so like so it's a very narrative like it works between one, it's a flowing narrative all the way through it. A disbelief battle is similar, but it's contested with the Grail Guide and the players. So it's roll against roll. And again, you pick a dominant element. Um, the way that you create unique characters is a is a through the sanctuary, because that creates a lot of flavour for your teenager. Because you know it's a very different person who picks like a a beachside bedroom to someone who picks like a swimming pool for some reason, or like a sauna, or like a uh, a treehouse. Uh, they'll have very different objects. And then the second thing you do is you pick five key objects or essential objects to you and items, and they're used throughout the game. And they can give you so many role-playing kind of opportunities and kind of like flavor again on top of that. So I had a play test the other night and someone had a literally an iPod from Earth. <laughs> and they kept saying during the session, they were saying like, I'm going to play Britney Spears during this test. And, like, <laughs> and they were blasting it out. It was really funny. It was really funny. But like examples like that create a lot of role-playing opportunities. Um, and then... The third way is obviously with the elements themselves and earth and water are, are seen as defensive elements uh, and that will affect your personality as well. So you might be a little bit more kind of like reserved or a little bit more calm in conversations. Uh, and if, but if you're an air or fire shaper, you might be really volatile and kind of slightly a bit more like in D&D, a bit more about intimidation side rather than persuasion, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you've got all these systems organically playing, and I'm hoping it will give enough people enough sort of uh, individuality, I guess. Yeah, that's that's really neat, and I like how it kind of, like you said, it it creates this starting off point for the role play, right? If if you're attached to a certain element, and you have your 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 sanctuary and the certain items, it, it gives you this kicking off point for the role play. So I, I really like that, and I want to touch a little bit on something you mentioned, Chris, when you were giving your your explanation. I think you said something that was really interesting. The players invested in the characters, and that's what created the role play. You know, it, it, especially yeah. in our in our in our games that you know in the games that I've played in, 
the more the players invest in the character, regardless of the level of complexity of that character's creation, that's when the role play is going to come out. You know. It, yeah. So yeah. I, I think to, to answer my own question, I don't think simplicity affects the role play at all. Um, if, if anything, it might give people more creative freedom to do whatever they want. Uh, yeah, uh, I think you're right. I think I think if it's if it's if it's complicated and very like um, mechanic driven, um, then yes, you can you can create a really complex character and you can completely uh, uh, get attached to that character. Obviously. Mm -hmm. But like you're saying, if it's very streamlined and rules light, then you fill in the gaps, right? You fill in the gaps that aren't there covered by the mechanics. And they're the bits that you can kind of go, oh, you know, I want that to be there. Um, you know, it doesn't say anything about strength here or that stat of like, how burly I am. But I'm just going to fill it in as being like a jock or <laughs> like a weightlifter or something. Yeah. And, and do you find that with a younger audience that that's important to them? To be able to do that, to to be able to create their avatar that in in that way, or I think that, so. I think it's important. I think I think th things. I think it's just fun. I think it's just fun, essentially, to um, especially to like come up with this kind of space that they feel really comfortable in, mm -hmm. because um, you know, you can have you use so much imagination. It's very open to just to describe it with the five senses. So just go, you know, go overboard if you want to, or, or just keep it very simple. But then you have the items attached to the sanctuary. So say you work in, you're sort of living in your, your grandfather's workshop or something, and you remember them doing all the woodwork and stuff, and like the little radio playing in the background. Then you can have one of your items could be like a chisel, one of them could be like an apron, one of them could be like like a wood chip or something, or one of the sculptures that they made. Um, and they could be five items, but they're thematically linked. And then you can create, you, it's very easy to create a character or persona around that. Um, you know, like they could be quite, um, they could be an earth shaper for a start. You know, like informs that already. Uh, and they could go around, and we're very much into the kind of like, you know, um, the hobby side of things and, and bringing that into the game. You get a thing called a gift, which is essentially like inspiration in our game if you use your items or you use your hobby around the communities. So if one of our pen dragons starts doing wood carving in one of the communities, they'll get like inspiration points and things and earn more belief. Mm -hmm. So it encourages kind of like real world uh, situations into a fantasy realm. That's very, that's very neat. And, and I, I was like quickly looking at your, uh, your character sheet and I think it, it really reflects what you're talking about. Because, you know, we were talking about like, oh, yeah, D&D has a bunch of numbers that you can build your character on. But like, so that when you look at the D&D character sheet and you ask someone who doesn't know, like, look at this sheet and tell me what your character is about. Well, the intuition is my character is about those numbers. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's what my character is. Not those three things on the top right corner that has like four lines, you know. But your, <laughs> your character sheet, we can see like the the whole top mm -hmm. is your character. Like uh, I see the belief, friends, trait, craft. There's the you know the the, the portrait, uh, rank, patron, element, gift, and that that takes like a whole yeah. bunch of it. And then you have the stats that's a little bit smaller. And then I you can see a big focus on the sanctuary and the. And I'll say weapon, or is that the equipment, or how you call it? They're items. They're just items. The items. five items. Okay, item. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is like a big part of the character sheet. So the stats are there.
they're a little bit less than a third of the. the I mean, there's the, no, there's the no, piece. there's no numbers on the sheet. There's no, there's no calculations no. Or, or, or equations on it at all. The only, the only math in the game is in, is in the dice rolling, which is, which I think is enough because it's really, really interesting. Because um, the thing I haven't explained is that um, the elements, the way they affect dice, is that the fire and air shapers can re-roll an opponent's dice because they're aggressive shapes. Um, earth and water can re-roll their own dice because they're defensive shapes. Right. If you're the dominant element, if you look at the wheel on the sheet, it's like the, it's the element wheel and it shows which one has dominance over another. Obviously, fire has dominance over earth, for instance. Um, if you're the dominant element in a battle, a disbelief battle, then you nullify your opponent's re-roll ability. And that's how it works. That's mechanically how it works. If you go up levels, if you get there's three levels of shaping, as there's three levels of sign language, then if you get to the ultimate level, you can re-roll th three of their dice, <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. So, so maybe let's go into this death, uh, death, death awareness thing. Of, hmm. uh, so you talk about those three levels. Are they so at the table? They have to sign their spell or how how is it how does it work yeah so 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 initially um you just have the alphabet uh so this is um which ashley is still working she's still working through all the sheets it's going to be it's going to be like um i think it's 12 sheets for each language and and, and the book will release with both languages which is really cool you'll have bsl oh. and asl as standard and you basically start off at level one and you have the alphabet and you have to learn the alphabet and finger spelling and it's got things like deaf awareness so it's got like what's your dominant hand where's your signing space um little tips like that um wave instead of clap obviously clapping is redundant for deaf the deaf community so you wave when you're celebrating something or congratulating someone um lots and about de uh, deaf um all sorts of deaf awareness tips basically uh, we're not we've not got nothing we've got nothing about the deaf experience because i'm not deaf and i wouldn't want to you know impart any of that on on the audience or the readers so we're staying steering away from that even though we've got uh consultants who are deaf we've got a B, an english bsl one and an american us uh deaf signer um but yeah so you start off at level one you do the alphabet you do the greeting so it's like hello goodbye sorry repeat um, all things like that, uh, morning, afternoon, evening, in both languages. Um, so that's to get the, the players to do their names uh, and to fingerspell the elements. So if you're if you're a fire shaper, before you do a spell, you do F-I-R-E, and then you do your narrative action with the spell or with the shape. Uh, as you move up levels, I don't want to talk too much about it until it's released, but basically... Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you go from the very simple uh, sign language to, um, should we say, signing with more flair. <laughs> so, like body language, like um, like facial expressions, all these things yeah. that you bring into it. And then the ultimate level is 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 grammar and sentence structure. So, how to actually uh, do sight questions in sign language. Um, it isn't it, it isn't exhaustive. It isn't exhaustive. It's just uh, an introduction to the language. And we're hoping two things. We're hoping that people will learn independently after they've played the game and go, I really want to pursue this now. I want to take it a lot further. And B, um, that we're going to release sheets throughout the year. So we're going to have, say, say the next, say post-release, the first sheet will be an environment sheet. So it'll be river, 
mountain, like cities, uh, like uh, sun, like moon, all these words that you can use when you're adventuring around the islands. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's awesome. Really... Yeah, I, I actually, I kind of want maybe open a parenthesis here. At the, uh, I think, Matt, also, you you taught some of, you know, basic uh, sign language to your, to your very, daughter at the beginning, yeah, right? Very, very basic, but... Uh... I, I would it would benefit greatly by by playing in spirals to learn more. <laughs> yeah. That was also my 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 intent. I, I like the idea of like I was I, I just had a daughter, she's uh, about six months old now, and I was mm -hmm. I was gonna teach Congratulations. Thank you. I was gonna teach her some sign language too, because like I think it's good that yeah. before being able to actually like uh formulate the words in the mouth, it's 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 a good step there. And actually yeah. my, my, my daughter is born without fingers, uh so we we, we won't do that. But, right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's it's I think it's very fascinating. And actually, years ago, I've learned the alphabet the alphabet out out of curiosity, uh, maybe like two years ago. And uh, I don't know. Little story here. Uh, not too long after, like I want to say a month or two after, I, I was at work and I was giving my name to the receptionist uh, for something at work, and uh, she need like you know when you say your name. She was she she had um, uh, probably a hearing impairment. Like she yeah. was total totally. I don't know. I don't know the terms. I don't want to offend. But like, so she had uh, a hearing aid basically. Yeah, yeah. But I, I could tell that uh, she had a hard time getting you know the difference between a B and a D, and then she has to look at like alpha uh, the alphabet to know like where my name is. So I was actually able to like spell my last name for her, and she ah, was cool. like, you know, like. Mm -hmm shocked as if i made her day and everything and she was yeah. she was like oh you know sign language i'm like no i don't i just know like letters <laughs> but like just a little I, bit yeah i'm fascinated by that i would i would love i mean i love role-playing games and i'm so curious about about all of this like sign language. obviously it was american sign language but uh because we're in canada i i think it's probably the the, the leading one <laughs> here but um yeah i think it's so cool for anybody to be able to have a game that really exposes them to, I mean, without being necessarily the the, the culture, at least, like you said, awareness of yeah, what awareness, it is, and giving yeah. basic tools that could be useful in at including other people and their their day to day life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 about that uh, inclusivity and 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 kind of a little bit of access to that community as well. Like you talk about deaf awareness, it's really important. Because uh, people, you know, even even in the book, it says like you know, people just change tend to like change their way of speaking when they're with a deaf person. You know, mm -hmm. they tend to raise their voice and like and like simplify the, the words. And it's not a problem; it's patronising. You know, it's really patronising. That means you don't need to do that. So it's things like that in the book that people won't all all people won't be aware of, especially like teenagers. You know, with no experience of that culture at all. Um, yeah. So it's. Oh no! Go ahead. I apologize. No, carry on. No, carry on. Yeah. I was gonna say, do you, do you find that that teenagers are more receptive to 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 learning that culture than 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 say a group of adults or or about, about the same about the same about the same? I would say. I think I think I think adults are equally enthusiastic about it. It seems to, in my experience, people are super enthusiastic about learning sign language. Uh, I know before I did the hatched into group TTRPG D and D group. I was teaching creative writing in the same community center and I had maybe like five people interested and I was only teaching the three or four. Um, and then 
the same place we we thought oh let's let's advertise bsl like like standard like deaf awareness and bsl level one and about 50 or 60 people were like signed <laughs> up for it so yeah and I, I, I that's kind of the point where i knew like if i if i merged them both together because i've got a really really like loyal and strong passionate following on twitter with the role-playing community and i've obviously got a lot of experience with the deaf community so bring them both together i knew that i was hoping that it would be successful but i never ex imagined it would ever take off like that um and i had to change my goalposts quite dramatically it's <laughs> <laughs> like i'm gonna hire everyone <laughs> it's gonna be fun that's yeah that's awesome i mean i'm looking at the clock i think we're running close to the end but i, I have a couple of other questions and i, I don't want to dive yeah, yeah. too much into it but i I, I kind of a parenthesis here P personally rich why was it important for you to, to include sign language like is in in your game was it just a, a merger of two things that you loved or was there kind of more to it than that yeah it was it was it was it was done done purely because of my experience with those two uh, i guess you can call them both communities definitely both communities for mm -hmm. me they're both communities um and yeah i've just i've been working for 12 years i'm very passionate about the deaf community um i work it's, it's it's support i'm a support worker within that community so I'm, I'm i'm helping people with independent living so um it's really really interesting and i love my day job and i that's why i never left basically uh, and i still do that i still do 20 hours a week so it's it's a lot of fun and i don't want to lose contact with that community as well um yeah. but I've communicated this and a lot of the team are deaf. A lot of my colleagues are working on it. I've got the consultants, like I said, and I've even got like um, the performers are doing tutorials that were released with the game free. So there'll be a BSL tutorial and an ASL tutorial with the whole how to do the finger spelling of the alphabet, how to do like uh, pointing and like uh, locations of, of different objects, how to express things, all these things, all the other words that we're using. Um, so yeah, it's very much like one doesn't exist without the other now yeah that's that's really neat and i and, and i can really see it know how how important that is to you and that's that's fantastic Thanks. um hats off that's good job <laughs> <laughs> um and i and maybe this is I, I don't mean to put put you on the spot rich but for for those of the the people listening if they were to play a role-playing game with somebody who's in the deaf community is there is there any advice that you could give them kind of regardless of system or maybe there are systems that you think would be would be best suited for playing tabletop games with members of that community do you have any advice or insights that could that you could share with them it would be lovely to it would be lovely to play in spirals with um a deaf member of the community because obviously they would you know they would excel at it so they could even be they could even be a trail guide um ideally ideally you'd have i had this question on twitter recently someone asked me about this and they were thinking like do we need interpreters and i was saying well it would be amazing if you had an interpreter during a session especially as it's a stream session i mean they could just pop in one of the boxes like they do on they do on subtitle tv and things like and doing doing the interpreting as they they go along um but i mean that's very extreme because it's very expensive to do that to hire one unless you know someone who's willing to just volunteer or take some sort of um uh contribution to their cho chosen charity or something um but you need if you're streaming with 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 a deaf person you definitely need um 
close, you know, captions on the stream. That's sort of one thing that you need. Um, other things you can do for like, uh, in terms of your website, it's like how you communicate things on the website, uh, the fonting, all these things. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, Inspirals was certainly given advantage to that, that community. Mm. Yeah, um, no, that's great. But um, other than that, uh, yeah, Interpreter would be ideal. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, it's, 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 I think that the tabletop RPG community and, and the games, I think have a long way to go in that regard, right? It's, yeah, it's a game that does rely a lot on, I mean, a lot of role play will happen, will happen verbally, so. Yeah. But, you know, the, the group that came to me, they, they could all do sign language. They were all pretty good at sign language. They weren't, they weren't like, interpreter level, mm -hmm. but they, were, they could get by on it. And I thought, I thought that's just an amazing thing to do anyway, really. I mean, to involve their, their closest friend. They were doing enough already. <laughs> but they said that that's, 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 that's blissful. That's perfect. If you can get that. They can play any system then. Yeah. Exactly. Like when, when I think act out when this one hundred percent that will happen in the, the actual in real life play around a table. Yeah. I think over, it's been over the. internet for so long now you have to kind of move back from the camera anyway to have that signing space like you know like uh visually um uh in real life i think Uh, I think that would happen. Sorry, I'm looking for the word in French. Trop d'attention. What is it, Matt? Uh, attention. Yeah, attention deficit disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and be, really, he's really more physical, yeah. you know? And the fact that it's all in the mind, sometimes he has to get up and go walk. But I'm thinking something like that would actually, like, make it so that he would concentrate more mm. because he would have physical presence at the table yeah. and being part of the game. I, I think this whole aspect is just fascinating. Mm. He might like he might yeah. like pick fire or air as well and be more kind of like animated and more kind of like mm -hmm. fiery or you know things like that. I'd be really it's interesting to say that he he played a fire a pyromancer fire wizard. Yeah. <laughs> <I bet>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. no, that that's fantastic. So I I mean before we before we do the wrap up and and all of that, you know, we usually rich we have a conclusion where we kind of summarize what we talked about. I wanted to kind of give you the opportunity to to kind of talk about your system a little bit more talk about your projects so that listeners you know where they can find you where they can find their mm -hmm. pro your projects and all that so the floor is yours uh to to talk about inspirals or whatever else you yeah. like to talk about um so yeah you can find me at hatchling dm on twitter um 
I'm there all the time. I love I love that community. It's building day on day on day on you know day to day, um, and they're really passionate about it. And, and they they actually uh, funded sixty five percent of the whole Kickstarter just from Twitter mm-hmm. alone, which is quite extraordinary for me. Um, so a lot of love for those those people. Um, uh, we've got a Discord. Uh, you know, I can I, the link again is on my Twitter profile. Um, that's a really passionate community. We've got about two hundred and fifty people on there now, and we have lovely interactions there. Um, the game's going to be out in June, PDF, and the end of June on in physical form in the book, and it'll be on Itchio, uh, the store there. Um, the future is uh we, oh, by the way we've got a few we've got a facebook inspirals facebook page as well um if you want to go there and there's hatchling games page there as well uh the group Can maybe page. a spell and sprawls for for the listeners because it, yes. it might not be easy to i-n-s-p-i-r-i-l-s-e-s and i and i have to ask rich not to interrupt your 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 uh your social conversation there, but that that's a pretty special name. Where where does that come from? It's a, it's a combination of um, inspiring islands because the whole game set on islands. Uh, it's explained in the book <laughs> <laughs> straight at the straight at the start. Actually, uh, you know, uh, in hindsight, maybe the name would have been changed. But uh, I, like I said, I got too deep into it uh, to change it at that point. Well, it's very that's... magical. It's yeah. Yeah. But that's the, there's a reason it's called that. It's inspiring islands. So it's like a combination of it. And it's meant to flow in one word. Um, but yeah, we've got Facebook uh, groups there. And um, and the future, so we're going to move, when post-launch, like I said, we're going to you know release more free modules all the way through the year, which will be basically more, more sign language material to sort of expand your kind of learning and your kind wow. of like the breadth of, of the sign language. And we're going to move into our second game uh, in August for Kickstarter, which is for slightly younger children and using Makaton. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's like uh, early years sign language. Okay. Uh, so it's going to be like you said, like you're introducing your, you want to introduce your, like kids from a young age to like, to express what they need. Uh, this is one way of doing it. Makaton's one way of doing it. Nice. Um, and then eventually we'll move Inspirals into Under Isles, which will explore, which will be for young adults or for for a slightly older kids, uh, and and you know like to adult age, and uh, that will explore the underworld of the of the of the, of the setting, and that will have a whole new set of sign language with it, and possibly more advanced uh, levels. Very neat. And will the will the systems be? How do you say? Um, it'll, will it be cum- cumulative? If so, if you've played in spirals and then and then you yeah. want to keep the same character and then go into the, yeah. the sequel, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's expansion essentially, a massive expansion. Very so that's great. The future of the game, yeah. And and did you want to talk a little bit about about hatchlings as well? I hatchling games is that. How does it's that? Just, it's, just, it's just it's just the uh, the limited company behind the whole the whole production. Um, I think when once we've got the three products out or the three games, I think then Hatchlings games will become something. But at the moment, it's just a it's just a name behind what we're developing, basically. You know, awesome. 
Awesome. Well, yeah. So I, for those of you listening, just, just to repeat that, you should definitely go check out Rich on, on Twitter. I mean, that's where, that's where I met you, Rich. And it's, it's yeah. a great place to be. The tabletop RPG community on Twitter is a blast. It's always full of supportive and positive folks sharing, uh, sharing great ideas. So I, yeah. I could definitely echo that. Um, for, for those of you who don't already know, you can also find us there. So that's at roll underscore play underscore chat. And or we have an email that's contactroleplaychat.gmail.com. That's usually what I say, right? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh, and I was going to say, and, and you know, I've been having a lot of fun with my polls on there. And I've also been having a lot of fun on Twitter um, engaging with folks to kind of get thoughts and, and ideas for the show. So a lot of questions, you know, the Q&As and that kind of thing. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And if you do have questions for the show or you have questions for Rich, send them our way or contact us and we're happy to you know play liaison to to get the question over to to rich cool so yeah with that now it's time to conclude the show so you know rich thanks for being on the show we we had a very i thought a very insightful conversation about uh teaching and using tabletop rpg systems and games uh, for for young adults, for teenagers, and kind of the benefits that can come out of that, right? This this idea of teaching empathy, yeah. teamwork through the game is something that I think this medium does fantastically. Um, so definitely something to check out if uh, you're trying to to get people to learn those things. Yeah, uh, I think it was very. I mean, the 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 the, the name tells it. It was very inspiring to talking talk to you because uh i we can feel your passion and the whole uh, deaf awareness a part of it is is clearly more than you know it's 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 part of the game it's embedded into it it, it breathes yeah. life into this, this this even the mechanics and everything and uh i mean congratulations on the success thank you I'm looking really forward cool. to seeing Love it being on. yeah let's see how it does post launch i'm quite excited Great. Yeah, so best of luck, Rich, and uh, and with that, we'll call it a chat. Bye.